Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hi, Mike. I'm Craig. Dave. As well. And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start with good thing, so Craig's going to do a good thing. Uh, I will. I'm back to recommending video games. So this week, my video game recommendation is Phonotopia Awakening. Like Phoenix. Supposed to be like a Phoenix of Phonotopia Awakening. Anyway, it's a sort of adventure game a la Zelda 2, only more of a Metroidvania, I guess. Uh, okay, it's it's a platforming exploration game uh, where uh, you play as this girl where her town gets abducted by aliens and you sort of have to figure out how and why. But you get a nice world map that you sort of get a little bit of... Um, it's it's I don't want to say open world. It's not quite open world. There's a structure to it. As I said, Metroidvania. So... You as you progress in the game, you get some abilities that will unlock more of the map so you can be able to explore more. Um, the neat thing is, I did mention Zelda 2. It does have a um, encounter mechanic like Zelda 2, where as you explore the map, um, little blobs will pop up and you can avoid them. You can dodge them so you don't get into um, encounters. Uh, and that just reminded me of Zelda 2. There is no XP mechanic or anything, not to get Dave's hopes up here, but... Uh, Oh, it's it's a fun little game. It, the 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 battle mechanics are a little bit weird. It's the the system and everything is weighty. So like moving and and doing certain actions, um, it does take time. So if you jump and attack, for example, you're forced to attack in a direction that you're in. It's not quite Castlevania, but it does have a little bit of that. It's so I wouldn't call it fluid like Dead Cells. It's it's weighty, but that's okay. It works for it. Um. And it, it it is a pretty cute game. Uh, it does have a nice story behind it. So, yeah, uh, it's called Phonotopia Awakening. I believe if you're listening currently, um, then you can still get it on sale. It was like half off. Okay. Um, Dave, I think you're up. Yo, what's up? You want to do my good thing? Nope. All right. Mike, what's your good thing? This uh, my good thing this week is I've been rereading um, The Order of the Stick which is a webcomic about a D&D party made of stick figures who are trying to fight a lich. There's more to it, but I don't want to go into it. There's a lot they of started, plot lines. They started in third edition. They started in 3. Point, no, the first ish, the first comic was them upgrading to 3.5. So That's true. They the first panel is 3.0 and then they upgrade to 3.5. <laughs> but then they don't ever move into like 4.0 or or fifth edition or anything it's it's just 3.5 the whole way through uh there's a special comic where it's a crossover between them in fourth edition versus them in 3.5 it's in snip snails and dragon tails i don't have that one it was a limited run i agree with mike it is a very good comic that you can read for now right now for free on your web browser of giant in the playground games is the the name of the website, gitp.com, or some nonsense like that. Honestly, it's one of the only webcomics I still follow. I'm so. surprised Dave didn't come in with a it's .net or whatever. No, uh, no. .net. <laughs> That's Homestar Runner. Silly Mike. All right, now it's time for Dave to do a good thing. My good thing this week, uh, it really it seems like more of a Mike good thing, but I just saw it this week. Uh, it's a movie that you can watch for free on YouTube, and it's called Kung Fury. I love Kung Fury. Kung Fury is great. Uh, it's very violent. If you're easily offended, you will be very offended. But uh, it is a spoof of like an 80s action kung fu Rambo type cop movie, I guess would be the best way to put it. Uh, David Hasselhoff actually did a music video for the movie, which is really cool. Uh, but I, I just sorry, I would I would not go Rambo type cop. Uh, if you've seen First Blood, then 
you you know that Rambo and cops don't actually get along that well. Yeah. The other, uh, yeah, but you know, it's got like guns and explosions and stuff. I guess is what I meant. But uh, just to give you, it, it's everything is so over the top. Just to give you an example, in the first five seconds, one dude like does a like kicks up his skateboard underneath a car and like uses it as a lever to flip the car over, but the car like goes flying across the street into the side of a building and it explodes. And it's like 30 minutes of stuff like that. It's really good. So it's kung fu, guns, action, violence, time travel, computer hacking, Nazis, dinosaurs, arcade machines come to life, shooting a gun into the receiver of a phone and it comes out the speaker of the other phone. Yeah. It's it's basically yeah, a perfect eight, film. All the classic 80s stuff. Uh, <laughs> it, it's basically a perfect film and it runs in at a very tight, I think about 45 minutes. No, 31 minutes. Wait, that's short. I should watch it. Uh, you you should. Even if it wasn't short, you should watch it. I will say, um, for the first viewing, watch it without the captions, because they do kind of spoil stuff in the captions. But then when you go watch it the second time, turn the captions on, because the captions are hilarious. Sounds like Dave is already guaranteeing I will watch it twice. And where might one watch this, Dave? YouTube.com. It's .net. And just search for Kung Fury, K-U-N-G spacebar F-U-R-Y. And yeah, the uh, the Hasselhoff song for it and music video is is wonderful and should be watched in addition. Uh, but now I think it's Tori's turn to tell us about David Hasselhoff singing her a song. <laughs> no, not quite. Uh, my good thing this week is uh, Dimension 20's new season, A Court of Fae and Flowers. So. For those who don't know, Dimension 20 is like a D&D uh, game. Every season is a new campaign. Uh, some of the seasons are continuations of previous seasons, but um, this season is a new campaign with new characters, and um, sometimes they have the same players. I'm not explaining it very well, but anyway, A Court of Fae and Flowers. Uh, it's sort of a, a Regency romance, but in the Fae realms. So the way they're playing this D&D game is they keep track of reputation and rumors. And they're like the bard is using vicious mockery, like in, in context, like, and I can't explain it. It's so funny. You guys, these players are very talented and witty and hilarious people. And I just love it. And the drama that they're bringing to the plot is so fun. It's so fun. So if you, if you haven't heard of it, give it a try. You can watch the first episode on YouTube. Um, but the rest of it is on a streaming service called Dropout, which is the college humor um, streaming service. It's about five bucks a month. Uh, worth it. Um, very good show. Cool. Uh, so my good thing this week is that Dave's going to do some chapters. Ooh, which chapters? Uh, no, wizard chapters, Craig. Come on, pay attention. <laughs> That's the wrong book, Mike. We're not talking about Harry Potter on this podcast. I don't think you guys heard it because we were talking over each other, but Dave and I did the same joke. He said warlock, I said wizard. Oh. And that's the end of which chapters? The warlock Seven. chapters. I mean, all of my chapters are watching. witch chapters. All right, let's do uh, 7 through 9 of Dawn Shard, since that's what it says at the top of Craig's stream. All right, Dawn Shard, chapter 7. The crew is treating the Lopin strangely. Cord assures the Lopin that he is the strangest. Cord like dangerous thing. The Lopin tries the the Lopinist ways to impress Cord. The Luxpren <laughs> are gathering. Huyo sounds like a genius in her Daisian. The end of the world war is seeming too shattered plainsy. Huyo invents a one-dimensional span read. A very large, very dead thing is floating in the water on the left or starboard side. <laughs> uh, I like that part because it's actually port side is the left. Although, unless they're facing backwards, in which case that would be the starboard side. I mean, that, that's, specifically, that's specifically why you have starboard and port is because depending on which direction you're facing, the yeah. left and right side are going to be different. So okay, I don't know. he might left. be right. Hold on. That designation is completely unnecessary. 
you aren't like driving a car and then you're suddenly very confused about which side is left and which side is right, even if you're turned around facing the other way, right? Right. No, left. It's from the perspective of the car, of the car or the airplane or the ship or whatever. Like, it's not necessary. But like, why do they say you know nine o'clock instead of left in an airplane? All right, here we go. Etymology: the term starboard derives from the Old English steerboard, meaning the side on which the ship is steered. Before ships then, had rudders on their is that center why lines, British cars are backwards. <laughs> they were steered with a steering oar at the stern of the ship on the right-hand side of the ship because more people are right-handed. So they basically like it's the side of the starboard is the side that the steering well steering rudder. I should maybe say. the port side is the side that pulls up to the port. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. It would be the opposite of where your rudder is. So one of three things is happening here. Either the Lopin has his port starboard mixed up, or... Which is absolutely what his... it is. No, we have... Well, let me finish. That's one possibility. It's also possible that the Lopin has his left and right mixed up, or that they have some other definitions of these words on rotors. One of those three things has gone on. I mean, it actually isn't the third, because uh, I think uh, Brandon Sanderson has put it on record that he's technically translating the words into English. So I don't think it's the third thing. Starboard isn't a real word. Okay. <laughs> it's jargon. He doesn't translate jargon, maybe. Yeah, so this is the chapter where the Lopin is talking to Cord, and he has a crush on her, and... Hang on. The Lopin doesn't have a crush on people. The Lopin doesn't get crushes on people, okay? People get crushes on the Lopin. He just needs to help them realize that. <laughs> by doing what floating on the ceiling and you, you know it's being a whole crazy it's a multi-step process you first gotta you gotta impress them so that way they realize the crush and you know there's different ways to try to impress them you could like you said try sticking people to the wall floating in the air making it seem all nonchalant but you don't point out that it's nonchalant because otherwise that makes it chalant no it's only chalant if it comes from the chalant region of Yakoved. Otherwise, it's just sparkling the lopen. Shalon. Nah. Shalon and all of her identities live here. God, I love that that's the one joke from Wayne's World that, like, survived into the into pop culture. Why, you didn't like any of the other jokes? No, I like many of the other jokes. And a lot of them, I think, are better than that one. But it it's just, it's very funny to me that that one, that one is the one that everyone grabbed onto and still exists in the world today all right so there's some luck spring and only cord can see them she has to describe what they look like to the lopin and he's like ah yeah luck sprint because cord only knows the horn eater word for it and then we have this scene where huyo is playing with their span reeds and experimenting with span reeds and aluminum and I just have to crack up because as soon as Huyo starts talking in her Daisian, he's very eloquent and sounds very intelligent and even maybe even a little pretentious. It's it's actually hilarious. That's so true, though. You're you're never as clever in your second language as you are in your first. Okay, Teravangian on a good day is the smartest person in the Cosmere. Huyo every day is the second smartest person in the Cosmere. <laughs> So sometimes I, she's the smartest. Smarter than Witta? Smarter than oh, Steris? Yeah. Oh yeah. Steris? No, Steris is just well planned. She she's good at designing plans and anticipating. Anyway, I mean I do think this is sort of Brandon pointing out, hey, you know, don't don't judge people by how they're learning other languages. Like you assume that he's just sort of quiet and since he's always helping out, like um cooking or something like that like that that's all he really cares about but no you speak his language and he has a lot to say he just it has to go through lopin is sort of the problem and lopin ain't gonna translate all that <laughs> you're only as smart as your smartest translator <laughs> exactly so yeah i think this is sort of like a don't judge a book by its cover sort of thing yeah and, uh, I like it, though. I, I the Lopin it. is also rather concerned because the world ending isn't happening 
as fast as he wants it to. In other words, it's seeming to be a long and drawn out war, kind of like the war on the Shattered Plains. It's like, oh man, I thought that this would just be like this big mag magnamalos but then oh it's gonna be a long drawn out war like the shattered plane can can you guys can you guys even imagine like the world being in the process of ending and you still got to go to work every day like like could you guys wrap your head around that no that that's completely unfamiliar to people living in these modern times oh it's been happening since the dawn of time (laughs) i mean (laughs) technically sure uh, and then Julio invents the one-dimensional span read. So he takes apart a span read and tries to experiment with aluminum, and he tries to put the thing back together. And he moves one pen in two dimensions. He, like he draws a circle, but then the other side of the span read only draws a line. And he's like, "Oh no, I broke it!" Like my favorite sandwich. And then at the end of this sandwich. chapter. We find that there's a very large, very dead thing floating in the water, and we'll have to find out what it is in next chapter of this week, which I guess is right now. Chapter 8, Sanford's Little Help Here. We are lucky to be able to give this majestic creature a proper burial. That was the thing about omens. What was the thing about omens, Craig? There's an omen for everything? I know the thing about omens. What is that, Mike? Uh, it's this really spooky, like, 1976, I think, horror movie about uh, the the son of the devil, and he's named Damien, and he's got three sixes as a birthmark on his body, but it's actually on his head so that they couldn't find it when he was a baby, and I think Donald Sutherland's yeah, in it. You got it. And he does, he, does, it. he does the, like, O face. Yeah. All right, next uh, thingy. Uh, Dr. Luan backs up the ribs, but only for now. The Santhid breaks up into crabs. So, you know, all this bad luck, bad omen stuff happened. And the thing about omens is there are what you make of them, at least from Risen's perspective. That's what, what her belief is. And, uh, you know, she's like, oh, we can turn this into a good omen, having this dead Santhid here. And she convinces the captain and the crew that the Santa wanted to be found by the crew of the Wander's Tale so that they could give it a proper burial. And so they're like, you know what? Yeah, this is a good omen. And then they go to tow the Santa to the shore. And, uh, oops, it was crabs. (laughs) That's the end of chapter eight. Kremlings aren't crabs. Wait. They are crab adjacent. (laughs) Yo, guys... Hold on. Tori, didn't you say in a recent episode that you don't do crabs? Oh, I do not do crabs. No. No, sir. Okay. Kremlings are crustaceans, but they are not crabs. Oh, they're lobsters, then. The funny thing is, is I just read today, and I I probably knew this before, but crabs have evolved five different times from different crustaceans throughout the, the course of history. Yeah, so, on a long enough timeline, everything is crab. But these aren't crabs. <laughs> these are ceilings. They aren't even kremlings. Ceilings. <laughs> they really are lobsters. If like... they're ceiling, oh, I know why they're ceilings <laughs> because they're they're not on the ocean floor. Exactly. <laughs> and if if your upstairs yeah. roommate walks on it too loud, it it makes it really really loud in your apartment. Yeah, it goes crunch crunch real loud. So, you know, I think we we might possibly have the work of a Dicean IMEN here with a Santhid. And uh, if you forgot what a Santhid is, it's the thing that Shalon took a selfie of with the scuba helmet, I think. That is, yeah. Yep, yeah. You, you are correct. There's a picture of one in one of the books, the second one, I think. Words of Radiance. Yeah, that was in uh, early Words of Radiance, part one, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, before she turned that boat into water. Before uh, Yasna yeah. died, for sure. Yeah, sure. So uh, <laughs> that's chapter eight in a nutshell, in a crab shell, in a ceiling shell, all wrapped in an enigma. I guess we'll read chapter nine now. Chapter oh, nine. Omens are confusing, y'all. Vistum is still alive. Oathgate to Echina. Watch out for Amians, Risen. I am BFFs. Bops friends forever. Good thinking, Rins. Vistam's niece says, Navani says. Ah, Nickley is here. I am me and allies fell and secrets can't hold swords. How to scour? 
Iameans invented soul casters. Nickley sure is way into this fake myth story that people made up. Cord know of this thing. Gods who sleep not. Middle bread taste good. Pleadix's introspection. The Lopin approves of wobbling. They didn't know what they had, but Risen knew exactly what she had lost. Nickley says Risen should spread the technology immediately. You know, just in case something bad <laughs> happens on this expedition. And there's no reason for Nivani to sabotage her own mission, unless... Hey, hey, Dave. Uh, why, yeah. why the sigh that Nickley was there? I don't understand. Well... You're going to have to figure that out as you review my bullet points. This chapter's too long. I'm going to make Craig do it. Okay. Um. So this is back to a Risen's perspective. Um. She's having a conversation through Spanreed with her Bapsk Vistum. Uh, yes, he's still alive. He's he's like the trade minister he, or something. He died in that treasury he thing. He didn't die. Where he got the, very where injured. The and then they yes. He was injured, but he did not die. Mm, um. Says you. Says the Spanreed, she's talking to him. He's just as oh, dead she, as Yasna mm -hmm. and Silfrena. But no, he's his <laughs> no. niece is writing on the Spanreed. Oh, and Marsh. She's just as dead as Marsh. Twice. She said that Vistum was dictating, but that's just what Risen thinks. Anyway, uh, Vistum had a conversation with um, Queen Yasna and Navani and. Uh, Queen Fen. And anyway, turns out that the Radiants are also there to look for an Oath Gate on Akana. So it's it's sort of like that's the secret uh plot that it's, it's that was uncovered. It's like, well, you know, she needs to know. So that that's why Vistim found out. It's so um, dumb of of them to like keep that part a secret because it doesn't need to be a secret in any way. Well, I think that's sort of the intention. It's not that it was being kept a secret so much as, hey, while you go on this mission, can you go look for this? Like, I don't think it was intended to be a secret so much as a go do this thing while you're where you're doing this mission as well. It's like, let's try to do a bunch of things and accomplish a bunch when we when we go here sort of thing. That, that's how I, I I didn't take it as like this is like a super secret hush hush sort of thing. I think they're making mountains out of molehills sort of thing, which but, which I think some of that information comes from Nickley anyway. So it's sort of like, yeah, of course, he's. He's ramping up that they're being all secretive and stuff when really it's not a big deal. The secret part isn't that they're doing it. The secret part is that they didn't tell anyone about it. That That's how secret wor secrets work, dude. Yeah, but I don't think it was intentional. It's not like we're not telling these people. It's sort of like, well, you know, while we're on the island, let's look for the Oath Gate sort of thing. Like it's And it's they didn't like tell a... the people. Oh. You're, you're skating over the part that makes it a secret. Yeah. What I'm saying is, it's not a big deal. <laughs> I don't see the big dealness here. Okay, well, I'm going to continue then. Um, it, it's not what is a secret, it's that it is a secret. So, I don't know what you're talking about with the watch out for Iameans, Risen, unless Vistim mentioned it? Because uh, she also Rock asked him... It. I mean, Cord. We're not at the Cord part, she's still talking to Vistim at this point. Um, But she did uh, ask him about how the Santhic corpse yeah broke into different ceilings and then she was sort of i i, th I think he I, I think they had a co brief conversation about how there were different types of iameans and risen's like yeah well i saw the the blue skin guy and he's like well there was actually three different kinds so I, I i think that was mentioned there anyway um the stim does call her her friend his friend and that makes her tear up a little bit which is pretty nice because you know that's she sees him as a mentor, but at this point, like, she essentially graduated. You know, she's she's doing her entry mission to everything. They're, they're friends now. Um, <laughs> good thinking, Risen. Vistin's niece says the body says. What? Uh, anyway, after the conversation, Nickley stands up. So I think this is where Dave's like, ah, oh, Nickley was here. So is there anything you want to add to this? Aside from the fact that he's probably breathing over the shoulder. The thing that... Navani went along with was maybe there's a uh, an enemy um, illusionist, uh, an enemy light weaver, which is what she was thinking about because of what happened during uh, the the previous book. Yeah, and I didn't sigh. Nickley sighed. He kind of announces his presence with a sigh. Uh, I don't think he's reading over his shoulder. He's like calling. He's like calling attention to himself by sighing. 
Sure, uh, but you don't think he was actively reading over the shoulder? He's a Zeissian IME, and he's always looking at everything at all times. Yes, exactly. He probably, he didn't, he wasn't looking over her shoulder. He just had a crab sitting on the shelf behind her. (laughs) It's crustacean, not crab. Get it right. (laughs) Crab station. Um, He had a ceiling on the ceiling. So, uh, at this point, is this this where Risen has a conversation with Nick Lee, sort of asking what he knows, because apparently he is supposedly from the, like, western end of Roshar, so it's sort of close to Aemia. And it's sort of like, hey, what can you tell me? Like, do you have any stories or anything? And Nickly starts volunteering some information, which seems really weird for... What 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 is he supposed to be? He's not Aegis. I don't know. Makabaki, I think he's supposed he's to be. He's an obligator. Like. That's why he has all the tattoos. Um, Nailed it. So it's sort of no, like... No, that's a Steel Inquisitor. Not all obligators <laughs> yeah. become Steel Inquisitors. So uh, he volunteers the information that uh, the scouring happened after the record. Apparently the Iameans were allies with the Knights Radiant. And of course, when they had the Recreants and put down the swords... Iamia was sort of left alone, and they had all of this this wealth of of devices and fabrials and things like that. So they were scoured, um, and some people left, you know, the island during the scouring, which is why you have the different races and why they're known. Um, but it it's he tries that Nickley tries to play it up like, oh, this is just stories and myth, but you can tell that he's he's sort of speaking from experience here. Um, the important and, thing here is that Iamia is no longer really habitable because apparently it was using some combination of fabrials or something to, to like keep the temperature stable and, you know, make it so you can grow crops and stuff. Um, Wasn't it mentioned that Nickly wasn't yet alive during the scouring? Nick, Nickly... Because he's like the youngest of the... Yeah, I'm trying to remember because they, they right? mentioned... He is the youngest of the sleepless, I don't remember if he's if he was like born after the scouring of oh Miami. okay yeah he, he was born after the recreants uh according to the copper oh Miami, the re- and the recreants is notably before the scouring that's kind of how the scouring took place uh he's around 400 years old so and the recreants was like 2000 years ago no that's aharatium no aharatium is 4500 years ago would you uh, like to take another run at that one craig <laughs> uh, I, I ain't saying that word. Look, I could say adonalsium. That's all you get out of me. I a Donald. Say... Well, 200 episodes in. Not, no, not a Donald Osium or whatever the heck I said. It's adonalsium. I can say it now. You know what I did, actually, Mike? I repeated that word over and over for like a day until I could say it correctly. A Donald Sutherland. I'm not saying that for Ariatium no. or whatever the heck. Dave, would I... you like to take a swing at it for Craig's sake? <laughs> Aharatium. Aharietium. 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 If I saw it, I can pronounce it when I'm looking at it written down. A Harriet I am. Tambor. The spy. Yo, I found out my wife doesn't know how to say Tambor as well. And she also said Timbri, and I'm like, hey, it's Tambor. We had a discussion about this. You've corrupted her, is what's going on. You've corrupted her. (laughs) She never heard me say... You know, I was going to say, you know, maybe Craig's wife corrupted him, but I've known Craig long enough to know that that's not true. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure 20 years ago I remember him saying Orkiana of time. Yeah. <laughs> You're not supposed to bring that up. Anyway, let's let's continue on. Uh at this point Court shows up. Um and so Court is is like uh, Risen sort of asks about how the Santhid uh broken broke into corpses and 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 like um or sorry kremlings and cord's trying to explain it and then risen's like hold on let me switch into Vedan because you this is your region so maybe you could speak this better and then cord much like hoyo is much more eloquent in the language that she knows so she gives a, a lot of information she calls the sleepless gods who sleep not um can you scroll down a little bit okay uh, middle bread tastes good. That's the Hoyo thing. Is this after this is uh the scene change where she's sort of eating and then the rest of the radiance join her? It's not really a scene change. It's uh, Risen is sitting off 
in a corner while they're eating stew and she's trying to get some alone time and people keep walking up to her. But uh, this, yeah, Huyo is talking about, or the Lopin is making fun of Huyo. He's like, how could he put a Fabriel back together after breaking it apart? He can't even put a sandwich together right. And then Huyo's like, middle bread tastes good. <laughs> so wait, and he's what, like, what is your middle? Hey, middle bread, well, because he puts the sandwich together wrong. So middle bread tastes good. And then the Lopin says, but then your fingers get wet. And then Huyo says, wet finger tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what do you guys think he's actually making, though? Because I feel like there's allusions to different foods. Chowder. Like chowder. I, I, I feel like he's um he's putting the fillings on the outside and the bread in the middle. Yeah, but yeah, what, it's okay. not actually chowder. Guys, there's well, a very... obviously something wet. Could be meat or some kind of sauce. There's Jelly. a very simple explanation to this. He's making the moist maker from Friends. The <laughs> Thanksgiving sandwich where you soak a piece of bread in gravy and put it in the middle. There you go. That's what it is. Oh, so he was doing it right all along. Because there was also an allusion to, to seaweed being eaten, which to me reminds me of sushi. Because you oh, put Cord a... did that. Cord made yeah. the seaweed, cooked the seaweed. It's essentially and sushi. And everyone else thought it was weird. Uh, no, sushi's fish. Seaweed well, is sushi what you is wrap fish. sushi in. Yeah, yeah exactly. You put, you put seaweed in sushi. That, that's a thing. Hey, you guys want to hear about the time Craig and I went to a sushi restaurant? Did hey, you order? Yes, yes, please. Did you order vegan new. sushi and it was just rice and seaweed? No, no he I... ordered chicken fingers and mac and cheese. <laughs> no, I, I had. Is that I the time when it. we were we had like I've had um was it, it edamame? Was AGDQ twenty nineteen or something. But I, I still tried edamame for the first time and uh, edamame is pretty else. good. So you know, I tried something I new. <laughs> yeah, he ordered <laughs> off the kids menu. Because he didn't right. want to try sushi. You guys are going to get some Craig lore here. Uh, I'm very bad with food, as I'm sure Mike could tell. I'm I do not enjoy food. Uh, I just fed the dude the best hamburger in the country. He's like, eh, it's fine. Right. So, uh, yeah. So I I just I don't really enjoy food, and I'm very bad at eating stuff. My the things I eat, like, on a daily basis are essentially pasta and hamburgers um, with chicken as well. Like, that's... The, I don't eat a lot. And Mike, everyone Mike, knows this. It's a lot of cereal. Mike, if you buy me the best hamburger, I promise to have a better reaction. Well, come, up, come up to visit and stay with us for a few days and get you get you that hamburger. Um, hey, It's Alright is actually pretty high praise for me. That's... I mean, it's not, like, out of my mind, but, you know... It, you know, it's okay. Like, so that's that's better than it's okay. So that would be four out of five stars for me. All right. It's all right. Better than it's okay. Dave, I have a question <laughs> for you about Craig. I would like to speak in front of him about uh, him with you. Okay. Um, why doesn't he just, like, do Soylent? That, that seems like it would solve all of his food problems by just not eating, just having pure liquid diet, get his calories, no flavor, doesn't matter. I don't... He likes flavor. He likes sugar. Yeah, I like and... sugar. <laughs> All right, get some Soylent, add some sugar to it. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to ingest the same thing every day. The problem is... He likes sugar and bread. The problem is I don't... You could spread Soylent on your sandwich. I have a good variety of things to eat. I'm, I'm, and, and I'm trying a little bit. It's just hard. It's I'm like nearly 40 years old. My... My gut bacteria and my taste buds are like, this is the things you like, and I'm sort of stuck with it. Ah, your taste buds change every seven years, bro. And they learn from the previous taste buds, and yet here we are. I am slowly, very slowly expanding what I eat. Like, honestly, I didn't eat eggs. Guys, I didn't have eggs until I was like... 21 or 22 i think i was 22 uh, years old when i finally had eggs you know macaroni's made from eggs right well no 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 i had things that were made <laughs> from eggs but i never had like scrambled eggs until i was like 22 i didn't have cheesesteaks until i moved dave which is really weird until you moved out, out of philadelphia guys i'm from philly <laughs> and i never had a philly cheesesteak until after college what is wrong with me um barbecue sauce is sort of recent that was from betty my my wife, um, she exposed me to barbecue sauce. So like I'm expanding a little bit. It's just it's just slow. Anyway, let's let's get back to the book. Enough about it's fine. It's nothing personal. I just think it's fun to tease you about it. Oh, like, there's, I, I there's nothing wrong with it. 
There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with having what you like and things. You know, it's just fun to poke fun. I mean, I try my best when I go out to eat. I'm like, hey, we can go eat wherever. I'm sure I can find something. I don't like. I don't like to be like, yo, I don't really want to eat here. Although it can be really difficult sometimes. I'm All sure right. Well, uh, usually I'll just next... like you guys eat and I'll go eat somewhere else. Um. So yeah, let's go back to the book. Um. So next time you're out of town and people are like, hey, you want to go to a restaurant? You can be like, no, thank you. I packed PB&J sandwiches with the crust cut off. I, I have done. Well, I haven't done that. I will eat crust. Mike, I'm not that bad. Um, it's funny, by the way. My daughter also refuses to eat the crust. We didn't teach her that. She just doesn't eat the crust when we give her like a grilled cheese or something. Oh, sir. Those are dad snacks. <laughs> uh that he eats eats those um you are yeah. missing out on a world of dad snacks here no yeah, i have no i have done that with grilled cheese i admit yeah i've eaten the crust grilled i'm cheese, like oh yeah. this is my part or like when we get pizza i'm like uh especially domino's domino's has good crust i don't care Meat what you guys say and, cat. and i eat the crust of that like here's your pizza this is my crust thank you We're oh good. try pizza hut with the with the crust seasoning it's, it's like, there good. is no pizza hut around here anymore. They're just gone. Well, that's that's a shame. But yeah, yeah if you get the if you get the chance, pizza hut with the crust seasoning, chef kiss. P- pizza is there hut. Is that pizza hut in Exton? No, it's it's gone. The one right off of. It was replaced the one right off with of a Boston Market. Oh, there's like a hundred of those. Yeah. Um. But you guys don't even live in Boston. Boston. What what sense does that make? <laughs> It's 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 a market from Boston, Mike. That's how that works. And it's pronounced market. <laughs> True. Um, where the heck were we going with this? Oh, yeah. The Logan well, approves of wobbling. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Um, who's wobbling? Was it Risen? Because so they they tried the experiment. Uh, Rushu started messing with the wheelchair thing or chair. I don't think it's a wheelchair at this point. It's just a, a chair. It has thing wheels. Risen used. wheels in the back. Um. And she just starts messing with it, and Risen's like, "Yo, what are you doing? You know, this is this is my chair. Like, that's sort of rude." Um, but Rushu just—it's not—it's not a slight against Risen. This is just how she is. She just like her mind is just like, well, "I'm gonna go do this thing now." Um, I mean, but, technically, she did ask. She just didn't wait for an answer before she started doing stuff. So they hooked up the um, what's it called? They they hooked up the the, the lifting. Dead the li- yeah, the lifting. The dead half sprint. Yeah, sure, still dead not dead. Sprint. Haven't been dead. They are alive. alive half sprint. Does They're that make it better? And, and the enslaved half sprint. Okay, so the same thing from earlier, where it's like, hey, like if you move this one end, it's a it's a mirror image, and it like if you lower it, it raises you. Like, oh, look at that, it's neat. And it's like, well, that's not quite what she was looking for. But now with what Hoyo discovered, uh, with like removing one of the dimensions. Now she could sort of float in the air and she can move around herself without having someone else to do it. So she just needs a certain, you know, height that she wants to be at. And then she can move around with a pole or whatever else just by pushing around on the ground. And it is glorious because that so she is. Makes a, they make a gondola out of her chair. Yeah, but she gets to control it. That's what she was looking for, which was really nice. And Lopin sort of understands, of course um given his history but still risen this is what she was looking for and nick lee's like hey you should totally tell all of your friends about this immediately this is a huge discovery go tell everyone wink wink nudge nudge don't die on this voyage without getting the word out and then nick lee at the end tries to to give some hints towards Risen that, hey, you shouldn't trust the, the Radiance or Cord. They're up to something. They're totally up to something. You shouldn't trust them. Why are you even listening to them? Didn't you know Cord is the one who supposedly saw these Luxbren? Like, how can you trust that? What's going on? Don't trust them. And that's how we end the chapter. So I feel like this would have worked better uh, on our end if we hadn't very recently gotten a chapter where Nickley was like, Hey, so should I kill everybody here or like what's up? You think it would have been better from a reader perspective if we held off on that that little side point of perspective until like after this point? I mean, we're kind of already on board with with the radiance and cord, but it would have been a little more ambiguous. I mean, I think that's the intention though, because we already trust Team Radiant and Cord. 
So it's sort of like, well, the reader's already going to trust them. So there's no point in trying to make it seem like this is something else. Maybe maybe Sanderson could have played up that somebody is a spy and we're not sure who. And therefore, it could have been the discovery when we find out that it's Nickley, a la Find Nicondra from Well of Ascension. But I, th- I think he didn't want to go down that route this time. It's like, let's make it obvious to the reader so we can see the character interaction, how they decide to come up with it. They, they decided to Columbo this, right? That In Columbo, they usually you get to see how the murder happens. It's just you want to see how Columbo actually figures it out is the fun part. So that's what this is. Yes. <laughs> and this is the point where everyone realizes I'm the only one who's seen Columbo. No, I've, I've seen some Columbo. He's, that was he's, an accurate description of, he's not of the, Columbo. He's not so. the guy with the lollipop, right? That was Kojak. Pretty sure, yeah. And Telly Savalas and Grandpa Columbo look nothing alike. <laughs> oh, wait, yeah, Columbo. That's the one from Princess Bride. Yeah, Grandpa Columbo reading to uh, Sir Frederick of Savage. During Christmas. During Christmas. It's a Christmas movie. If if this is your first episode and you haven't heard me claim that The Princess Bride is a Christmas movie, uh, hey, The Princess Bride is a Christmas movie. Welcome. <laughs> Which makes it the best Christmas movie of all time. Yeah. I mean, you put Princess Bride on any list, then yes, obviously. Like, does it have any themes that are have anything to do with Christmas whatsoever? No, absolutely not. Is it set during Christmas? Yes. Does that make it a Christmas movie? Yes. Does that then by default make it the best Christmas movie? Yes. But since we're talking about this, I think we're done with stuff from the chapter. Uh, Do we want to end here or do we have spoiler stuff? I have spoiler stuff, but that's not a surprise. Do we have any other questions for Dave? It sounds like it's time for Dave to go. Good night, everybody. Bye, Dave. Thanks for watching. Bye, Dave. Dave's gone. Play the thing this concludes the spoiler free section of our podcast if you are as i am reading along for the first time we recommend that you stop listening now as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book but for other cosmere books as well there may also be general spoilers from any other source material spoilers begin now all right let's look at the notes well did you guys have anything first i don't want to just like cut in no no go ahead no i don't really feel like there was all that much spoilery going on and in this week's chapters just oh just you wait all right um so first is uh, at the beginning of chapter seven uh talking to cord the sprint that she sees invisible to everyone but lopin and cord who like her father could see all sprint so i sort of wanted to briefly touch upon this um because as we know the horn eaters do something and they're able to see the sprint and i just wanted to highlight this to talk briefly about it and essentially they get a sort of sight, and I, I think we've seen this from Court's perspective as well. They get a little bit of a sight into the cognitive realm. Yeah, what but it's, it it's not all Hornators. Like, it's specifically Rock's family, and that's why they're spoiler royalty. It's 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 certain Hornators who took a swim in Cultivation's perpendicularity. Oh, I thought they drank it, but yeah, whatever. It's it's some they, interaction they might, they with the drunk pool. It, yeah. And they claim that if you aren't special and you try to drink it, you'll die. But also they kill any outsiders that show up to to the shard pool. So I don't know that they've tested that theory very thoroughly. No, that's why you die, because they kill you if you try to do that. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure that was Sigzel's claim to rock. And and like they had a whole argument about it. Yeah. So um, anyway, the, the whole point is. I, I don't remember if it was Cord because we didn't get a Cord perspective, did we? There was somebody we 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 who had a perspective. They were in the physical realm and they could sort of see stuff in the cognitive realm just a little bit. We just read that. I think it was an Oathbringer. Well, anyway, that that's was sort Jasno, of, wasn't it? Oh, maybe. Yes. Yeah, so, so that's the point. That's sort of what the my impression of what at least Cord's, um, I should say, Rock's family can can see. It's like they they can get. They sort of pierce into the cognitive realm just a little bit, which is why Sprint can't easily hide from them. Sorry, I do have chat going on here. I feel like there's so much interesting stuff we're going to get about Rock and the Horn Eaters in the novella before Stormlight 5, which is a good point. Uh, This is a reminder that we're supposed to get a Rock short story between books four and five. So here's hoping. Yeah, we need to find out what happens to him when he returns to the to the peaks. Yeah, Um, 
Okay, so continuing on, talking about aluminum, this is Lupin saying this. Uh, yeah, uh, aluminum is weird stuff. It can block a shard blade, Rua tells me, if it's thick enough. So, so that's part one. Well, so yeah. aluminum... If it's too thin, then just the mass of the shard blade will get through. Right, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. My impression of this is that shard blades then aren't actually that sharp. Like aluminum is is easy to punch through, right? Like even it's pretty flimsy, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty flimsy. So shard blades don't have to be that sharp. Like they could look sharp, but in terms of like sharpness, like we're not talking like a diamond edge here and just pierce through anything. Like this is just aluminum can block it if it's thick enough. Like that's that's pretty nuts. I feel like you could throw a stone at aluminum and it will dent it easily. I don't know if it can probably pun puncture it again, depending on the thickness. I guess what I'm saying is a sharp blade is like the sharpness of a rock, not the rock, just any rock. I mean, the rock is is actually a pretty sharp dude from everything I've heard. Like, yeah. yeah. And also, I wanted to highlight that continuing, they get it from soul casting, though only a few can make it. So apparently you can soul cast aluminum, which is interesting to me. It's not too weird um, because they're just changing an object into something else. But um, it is interesting that they mentioned that this is how pre-electricity some people can get. Uh, well, at least this is how Rosharians can get aluminum, which is through soul casting. Yeah, I would guess that this is like at the at the very end of like a metal soul caster's life is they've become enough of a savant that they can then soul cast aluminum. Mm. I would also um, suspect that like Yasna and Shalon, once they once they get to a high enough level, like Yasna probably can now, but like Shalon would take a little bit before she could get there. But I bet they could without running into the same issues. I agree that Yasna can probably do it already. I disagree that Shalon will ever be that good because Shalon is bad at soul casting. Well, she's bad at soul casting now after ignoring it for ninety nine percent of her radianting. Um. Continuing on, then Cord says, can get from trade. Cord said, in peaks, we trade. Trade, Hoya says. Who trade? People in Spren World, Cord said. So we know people in Spren World means from the cognitive realm. It doesn't necessarily mean world hoppers, although it might eventually take that path. Someone buys it, sells it to some world hopper who sells it to some Spren person who ultimately sells it to some horn eaters in the peaks. I mean, we know there's a non-zero number of humans living in Shadesmar. Yeah. So, yeah. But this is just flat out in one of the books. Hey, there's trade going on in between the realm, the in the Cosmere guys. Like, we really haven't gotten it in writing before this point. Uh, maybe, maybe somewhere in there too, because I think uh, in Secret History, I know Hoyd complains about what Kelsier did to the ATM mines. But that's I don't know. This is sort of like, hey, there's trade happening here. Um. L Lopin talking about how he gets stormlight. He thought for a moment, drinking the light from a big garnet gemstone. The others called him silly, but he thought the different colors tasted different. All right. Okay. Yeah. So garnet and ruby are both red. Which one is cherry flavored and which one is strawberry flavored? That is an excellent question. I think ruby would be the cherry flavor. That's my impression. And sapphire is blue raspberry. Obviously, we can all agree on this, right? Yeah. Yes, we can. Yeah, that sounds legit. So then Zircon and Diamond. Hmm, those should both be clear. Diamond, Diamond are, are green grapes. Okay, and then what Zircon's if, vanilla. What about, no, what about lychee? Ooh, I like that. I don't know that flavor. Okay. I like that one. Do you think that's for Diamond instead of Zircon? Yeah. Okay. Then green grapes is, is Zircon. Then. Do we have a yellow? We have Topaz. Topaz. Topaz is artificial banana. Yes. I'm I'm that is my birthstone and I like banana the best so I, I approve of this. Oh, do you guys know why artificial well, about... banana tastes the way it does instead of do. instead of like how real bananas taste? Yep, I know that one. Cuz they had to like we 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 there was a flavor of banana that people were used to and then it basically became a stink or something. Uh it it was blighted. It's Cavendish bananas and they still exist. They're not extinct. They're just they just aren't in mass production any production anymore. And I'm sorry I interrupted Tori and kept going with this for way too long. Please continue, Tori. Yellow should be lemon. But then what gets to be artificial banana? No, no. I like Topaz being banana. You can't take this can, from me, Tori. Can Zircon be lemon? 
You sure. said zircon was white grape and diamond was lychee. No, Craig said it was grape. Yeah, I said it because I'm not good at thinking up things. I, I think zircon can be lemon. Okay. Uh, emerald. Would emerald be lime or green apple? Lime. Lime for sure. Okay. What colors do we still have? There's there's amethyst, right? Oh. Okay. That's that's grapes for sure. Yes. Yes. Okay, I haven't been keeping track of, like, how many of these we've done, and I don't know what colors are left, so I think we did them all. All right, cool. I want to continue then. But yeah, there's the fact that he drinks in Stormlight. Every time we see Kaladin doing it, it breathes in Stormlight, so that's his perspective of how he gets the Stormlight, whereas Lopin thinks of himself as drinking the Stormlight. I think there's a word of Brandon that mentions that even if you were underwater and couldn't breathe, you could still breathe in storm. Like Kaladin, I should say, could breathe in stormlight. So it's just sort of a term for how he views receiving the stormlight. And Lopin's view is drinking instead of breathing. Now, in this case, the fact that the different gemstones seem to taste different to him, I'm thinking they're actually this is actually legit, and this isn't just a Lopin being the Lopin. Um we we do know there's a certain rhythm tied to the stormlight, like because it, it has a certain rhythm. We learned this in Rhythm of War, but it could still maybe be hinged slightly. I don't, I don't know how to. It maybe has a different harmony. I don't, I don't know how to frame this in a different term, but I'm thinking there's some legitness to this. Okay, my theory on the reason why the Lopin can taste a difference in flavors and no one else can is because the flavors are Lacroix. And so it's very, very subtle. Um, so the artificial cherry and the artificial strawberry taste like someone said the name of that fruit very loudly during a high storm while the gem was getting charged. See, I was thinking he tastes flavors because he thinks he does and it's all cognitive. I mean, it could just be that too. But I I, I don't want to just discount what uh, he's yeah, saying because yeah, everyone uh, else and, does. Yeah, like Craig was saying, because, you know, different, uh, what is it, frequencies or wavelengths or whatever of light make the different colors. So, you know, being in a different color gym maybe changes the, I don't know if it's frequency or wavelength. We got to get my husband on here sometime. Um, of the stormlight, you know, the different color gym changes the whatever of the stormlight, possibly. Uh, it's wavelength for light, different colors of light. And this it tastes like well, yeah, space coke. But but we know that the stormlight and life light and void light are all related to sound, so that would be a frequency. So that's that's why I'm like I don't know which it is. They're they're linked. Whatever. All right. Um. So continuing on, this is Hoyo talking about what's happening to the spannery that he took apart. Um. Oh no, the, I think this is yeah. No, this is Hoyo. Uh, because he's playing around with the spannerids. I uh hypothesize that the aluminum interferes with their ability to sense not only my thoughts of them, but the thoughts of their conjoined half. So this sort of gives us a clue to what aluminum is actually doing. And I, ha and I had to think about this, because aluminum crops up over and over again as messing with investiture in some way. It it's the investiture blocker or negator in some way. So, you know, in terms of span reads, it can block their communication. But we also see that it interferes in... Um, in allomancy because you can't like the metal through it so i was thinking about this that this uh, sort of gives us a hint to what aluminum is actually doing and it seems to be a blockage through the different realms so aluminum's presence basically blocks an object from going whatever connection it has between the physical cognitive and spiritual realms aluminum sort of puts a block a wall between the physical and cognitive realms but only of course in certain areas or directions because it, it exists in the third dimension in the physical realm so it can only block it in certain ways but it's sort of like separating it a little bit from the cognitive realm which is like where the the conjoined has and, and the path that it has to go through to um to exist within the physical realm it has to go through the cognitive realm and the same thing with investiture, because investiture, investiture sort of comes from the spiritual realm. Aluminum has to block that in some way. Now, that doesn't necessarily separate objects from themselves, because every person, for example, exists in all three realms. There, there's a uh, a cognitive component. There's a spiritual component. But we're all self-contained. Like, we exist 
through to the different cognitive and spiritual realms through ourselves. Like, it's not like it's a separate location that it has to go through in order to reach the other realms. Um, so you, even encasing yourself in aluminum doesn't block your connection to those realms, but it blocks anything you might do that would go through those realms um, externally to yourself, if that makes sense. I feel like I went a little bit off on the tangent, but uh, yeah. I hope you're quiet because you're all taking notes. Like, yeah, th mm -hmm. that sounds good. Sure, that's why. Okay. Uh, Oathgate. So this is the Oathgate about um, at uh, IMEA. Why did IMEA have one, she asked. Wasn't it barren all the way before the recreants? No, Vistim wrote via his niece. The scouring happened after that, though both were so long ago that we don't know many details. So, one, this gives us a timeline. This happened sometime after the recreants. Of course, we get a confirmation uh, from that via Nick Lee later on. But also the fact that Iamia had an oath gate, which is an interesting choice of a location, uh, given that the sleepless sort of don't want people around the Dawn Shards. So it's sort of like, why would there be an oath gate there in the first place? Is that weird? It seems a little bit weird. Well, before the scouring, Maybe. it would have been a, a major like cultural and yeah. I was going to suggest place. that maybe back then the Radiants were helping with the whole defense of the Dawn Shards thing, and maybe that's part of the reason the uh, Iameans are not making themselves known to the current Radiants. Mm, could be. Like, maybe it's... they felt extra betrayed. Uh, like, going into our talk about secrets, and, and this is, you know, something, of course, I've encountered in in, not necessarily in my history, but what people mention is that the more people who know a secret, the harder it is to keep a secret. So in my mind, it makes sense if the 20, uh, let's say the 24 sleepless that exists on Roshar know about Dawn Shards. It's easier to keep it within that group. But if all the Knights Radiant knew as well, I feel like that'd be harder. So I think there's a layer of sub subterfuge there. We know it's sort of presented as the source of the Fabrials, especially where the Soulcasters were hidden. So maybe that was the reason the Knights Radiant were helping to keep it like a stable location and nation. And maybe they do nothing about the Dawn Shard. I, d I think we're going to get more from the mural, though. I don't fully remember what we're going to see in a few chapters. But, Mike, I think you said something earlier with Dave that really made me think, because we were we were talking about the scene, about how um, Akana used to be like this this robust location and they're like they use fabrials to make it so it's this lush location that can grow things and you know what that made me think of uh Urithiru and the sibling and maybe they're yes. related in some way yes exactly so yay same brain is this where the sibling used to be and then he moved to Urithiru is there a different master spread that might have existed let's say oh I don't know night watcher that happened to exist on Aimea and then moved later on? Or, did this, or it, is this now one of the unmade? Ooh. I was going to ask if this was like a fourth Bondsmith that we never heard about, Spren. But I like Tori's thing. I like Tori's thing, too. Could this be where Bay Edo Mishram came from? Or maybe a different one? I mean, it conflicts with my standing theory about the unmade, but I like it anyway. <laughs> right. Well, either way, I thought that was very interesting. And now that we and th this is something I wouldn't have realized on my first read through Dawnchar because I knew nothing about the sibling at this point. But now that I read Rhythm of War, I'm looking at this. I'm like, hey, there's some interesting similarities happening here at IAMEA. Um, continuing on, this is Nickley talking about IAMEA. Perhaps some invaders were genuinely frightened of the oddities in IAMEA, but most saw only the wealth. The Fabrials, the creatures who could stop Shardplate, drain Stormlight. Um, I highlighted it mostly because he's saying that Cheery Cheery could stop Shardplate. But the interesting thing is that I don't... The, the old Shardplate did not use Stormlight. Well, I shouldn't say it didn't use Stormlight. I'm sure it used Investiture yep. somehow. We but it don't didn't know use that, man. We do not know how how living Stormplate... Or Stormplate. Shardplate actually works. We've seen one scene of it manifesting. We've seen one scene of Yasna wearing it and learned nothing from that. No, but we learned stuff from Kaladin. It, it, it doesn't have Stormlight built in. It doesn't have gems in there. So what would something like Chiri Chiri 
eat Cheerios. <laughs> I, I think there's some interesting interaction here with what Cheery Cheery is actually doing to Investiture. I think it's more than just it's eating Stormlight. It has to be doing something to the Sprint that make up Storm. Uh, I'm doing it too sharply. No, I think uh, we're right and Brandon Sanderson is wrong. It's Stormplate. It has to be Stormplate <laughs> now. <laughs> okay, uh, we're going to start calling Stormplate now. He used shards for a different thing. He shouldn't have reused it for this. It's Stormplate and Stormblades. This is the correct terminology now. Yeah, and I would actually make it clear because there's shards everywhere. Like, we know the, the big holders of Adonalsium are shards. And then you call things shard plate. It's just confusing, man. Just and call it storm plate. Dawn shards. Dawn shards, yeah. Dawn shards. I'm okay. No, no, no. I think they are dawn shards. I think dawn shards is legit. Having the holders be shards and having these things which are commands called dawn shards, I think that's an okay use of the term. But then having shard plates and shard blades, that is confusing. I like this change. Okay. Um. Now, this is core talking. About the the Santhid breaking apart. The, there are gods that you call Spren. There are gods that are like people. But some gods, some gods are neither. The one we met is of a group called the gods who sleep not. And I wanted to highlight this because this is the, a horn eater perspective on like what types of people are. And when they mention there are gods that, are, that you call Spren. So they call Spren gods. But they're just, they're cognitive pieces of investiture that manifest themselves in the physical realm that's that's what spren are and they call them gods and the gods who are people i mean i don't know if she's talking about the actual like legit shards or or if she's talking about something else but then she calls the sleepless she also refers to them as god as well so i i'm like what what exactly is a god to a horn eater is it some entity that can freely exist between the physical and cognitive realms is it just something that can exist for a very long time like i don't understand and i'm sort of asking you guys what do you think horn eater gods the the word god means for horn eater Bleh. not humans i guess i don't know man powerful things powerful so it is interesting i think that that's sort of telling that uh paragraph there sort of telling what horn eaters think of gods. so something to keep in mind whenever we hear rock or cord in this case, talk about gods. That's something we need to keep in mind. All right, last highlight. And this is just the same thing Dave pointed out. This is an important discovery for so many people. You should make certain to transfer quickly via span read so it's not lost in case something happens to this expedition. This is like, yo, Risen, I'm totally going to have to kill and sink this boat. So you should transfer this information out before I do that. That's all that is. Uh, okay, that was my last highlight. See, I could find things, guys. You doubt me. No, I've never doubted your ability to have a ton of stuff for spoiler time. Honestly, I feel like Dawn Shard in in the novella. Um, sorry, I don't know if my computer might have beeped. I apologize. But I don't know. Dawn Shard to me has a ton of cosmic aware type thing. So I, I'm actually getting good information doing this read. I, I like it. Yeah, we're we're at the point of Stormlight that like... If you haven't read the other books in the Cosmere, by the time you get to Rhythm of War, you will be missing things. Some of it will be important. It's not like back in, what was it, Words of Radiance, where, you know, we had we had the, the den full of bits and pieces from elsewhere in the Cosmere, and it's like, hey, these are some nice Easter eggs. No, you're, we're starting to get into, like, actual stuff happening that matters, that if you haven't read the other books, you're going to be missing out a little bit. I mean, I know Brandon has tried hard to keep things separate, and you can only do it so much if, if you really want to have a connected universe like he's creating. I love this stuff. I mean, there's a reason why I'm on the podcast here. This is this is the thing that has elevated Brandon for me from a good author to my favorite author. And I love stuff like this. I love the magic system. That's number one. Magic system is what drew me in. But number two was this connected universe. And this was like, we're talking before MCU was a thing in the cinematic universe. I know Marvel existed and DC Comics existed beforehand in comic form with a connected universe. That's fine. But I was like on board when Brandon was doing it in all these different worlds that were connected. I'm like, this is so cool. I need more. And then 
guys, I think I nearly cried when Nightblood first popped up in Words of Radiance. Like, I was, like, mind blown. I'm so excited. Like, it went from, like, little bits of tease to, yo, here's Nightblood. Do you want to kill? Do you want to destroy some evil today? I'm like, you know, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Gwiel and and super excited. So. OK, to back up um, Craig's claim here, Elantris was printed in April, or published, sorry, in April 21st, blah, April 21st, 2005. I can enunciate. Uh, and then Iron, Ca- Iron Man. Good God, I can't talk. Iron <laughs> Man came out. In 2008. I don't have a specific date here. IMDb doesn't really care. So Brandon it did it first. Out. Can I Can I add? Mistborn Final Empire came out in 2006. Okay, so I'm not sure if we can fully credit Brandon for this. Like, the idea of a shared universe isn't unique to Marvel, right? Right. Um, uh, it, the, the movie monsters, that was like the first, the first big shared universe in cinematic form. Yeah, Apollo and er, Apollo, um, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. You know, yeah, exactly. Um, and Elantris isn't exactly like super fleshed out on that front, so this the definitely tenth... could have been something that that was patched in after, right? The the tenth anniversary was more overt in in the Cosmere connections. It was like you know adding Hoyt in there, that sort of thing, but. That was enough to, to do it. That's the 10th anniversary edition. I think that was sort of like, I don't know for Brandon. He didn't know he would become a super successful author. So he's not going to be super overt. And plus, he didn't have all the Cosmere stuff really designed by that point. Once Mistborn came out, it was a little more fleshed out. But yeah, Elantris was sort of like, let's just see what happens. And it works. Like, there's a lot of stuff in Elantris that fits in good with the universe. But it was very rough when he first wrote that. Anyway, I love this stuff. Dawn Shard, to me, has a bigger wealth of Cosmere connections, or at least Cosmere-type information. So for me, I will have a lot to talk about in spoiler time, even though this is such a short book. Okay. I feel like we've done an episode, and I feel like I would like to stop doing an episode. Yeah, oh, that's it nev- fair. It never stops, Mike. All right, bye, everybody. Good night, Internet. <laughs> Craig's going to stay on the recording, but I'm going to go away. Nope. See you later. All right, bye, everybody. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.